Welcome to another edition of the Cup Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by BackSportsPage.com. With me, as always, is my tag team partner. That's Emma Rito Rivera. My name is Randy Zaya. Em, how are we today? And on this beautiful, uh, this drops on a Monday. So, yes, this is a Monday morning. How are you? Monday mornings normally suck, except for this. <laughs> this is the only good thing about Monday mornings. I'm not a morning guy. You know this. Uh, Anyone will- who knows me knows I'm not a morning person. Well, we always you and I was it you and I always used to joke around about Monday mornings and like you're like a vampire all of a sudden you see the sun come right up and you start burning in the sun. Exactly, like I have the curtains pulled. I'm like cranky. I got my cup of coffee. Like the first thing you tell me is good morning. I'm like, yeah, good morning, like dude. I could do without morning, so I really can. Well, if you are a nostalgic wrestling fan, that is this is a good Monday morning because our guest today is the one and only podcast hosting guru conrad thompson and and when we had conrad on with us i gotta tell you man i felt like i learned not not only a lot about his fandom for the nostalgia wrestling world but a lot about the business world as well exactly like i'm a businessman obviously with level one games but i'm sitting there taking notes i'm like so business is your secret huh interesting (laughs) (laughs) and he was a really cool dude man like i said a very very relaxed chill guy one of the things I, I want everyone to take away from the interview is how he's able to balance his time out and his relationship with the guys and just on how he was able to put all of this together. And of course, obviously, for those who don't know, he is related in his own way to Ric Flair. He is a son of, son-in-law of the one and only nature boy. Got to strut every woo! single time. Every single time you say Ric Flair, you got to strut. You got to do the woo too, man. You can't forget woo! You can't forget. Yeah, you got you got a little woo nation right there. Woo! And so, uh, yeah, so we learned a lot from Conrad. And before we get to the show, let's want to thank our good friends over at Level One Games. That M knows well about Level One Games in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. If you are a card game, board game, video game guy, Level One Games is the place where you want to be because they take your game to the next level by reliving your past. So that's over at level1games.com. But listen, enough about us rambling on about Conrad Thompson and video games. Not that we shouldn't be talking about video games because that's that man's business. But right now, let's take it over to our good friend, Conrad Thompson. All right, right now joining us is Conrad Thompson, the king of, I guess we should start calling you the king of wrestling podcast because you pretty much rewrote the book on how well this is done, right? Like, you know. I don't know about that. No, but, you know. so I, I guess I want to start this off, Conrad, with, you know, how did you really, the, the first podcast you did with wrestling was with Ric Flair, the, the Woo podcast. How did that come about? Because, you know, a lot of people think that you just started with Bruce, but a lot of people sort of forgotten about the Ric Flair podcast. Yeah, we did too. We did one for uh, CBS's Play.it platform. Uh, that was Woo Nation. He got an offer through his um, agent to do a podcast. And I just so happened to be hanging out with him the day that the offer came in and we talked through what a podcast was and how you would get a podcast and all that. And then eventually he asked if I would sit in and ask him fan questions for the first episode. And I said, sure. So I became an accidental podcaster. Fast forward. Now I have five wrestling podcasts. Who would have thought? So right place, right time, huh? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's absolutely everything in life is timing. And uh, maybe that's one of the better examples of my life. And how did the introduction with Bruce come along? Uh, Bruce was a guest on the Ric Flair show, as was Tony Schiavone and uh, as was uh, Eric Bischoff and as was Jim Ross. So 
uh, over time, I got to meet all these guys just from them being guests on Rick's show. And when Rick wasn't having as much fun podcasting anymore, I saw an opportunity to uh, sort of shake things up with Bruce since we sort of reinvented a new format and uh, we we're off to the races. Did you feel, obviously we're going to fast forward with this question here, with, but with Bruce going back to WWE, did you feel that there might be any type of handcuffs because he's back there now? Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying, we're not going to talk about current stuff, but you know, realistically, he was never burying Vince on any of these shows, you know, because this was all his idea too. You know, he's in the room when these decisions are made, so he's not going to get on a platform and just disparage his own idea. So, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me, I knew going in was going to be a time constraint, you know, will he have time to do this? There's no such thing as part-time or full-time with WWE. It's all the time. And that's very much been his existence. It's all the time. Did you feel like you had to make any changes to the format? Because I know you did away with the polls. I know that was the one thing. That oh, you... that's a time thing. That we, we were done with the polls long before he went back. I can't do five shows a week and then let fans decide on Monday and me do, you know, 40 pages worth of notes and then record the show. <laughs> There's not enough time. So that was a function of time. Bruce would be fine with us doing polls. I just don't have time to do the polls like I used to. We still do them every now and again, but I've got to have a real plan you know, cause at this point I'm doing five shows a week, 52 weeks a year, plus a bonus episode every month for ad free shows. So it's a lot, you know, you're talking about over 300 shows. I can't do that and just let the fans arbitrarily decide every week. I love the idea, but you know, when you, when you try to scale it, it becomes a scheduling nightmare. Yeah, that, that sounds like a scheduling nightmare. I mean, it, it's a lot of work for us to put this show together. <laughs> right. Man, this is one time a week. So I, can, I can't imagine doing this five times and then take all those notes. I think I'd, I'd, I'd just slip my wrist at that point. It, it's, it's a lot. But, you know, we've got a really good team. You know, it's not just me and my co-host now. We've got a full team of people who help us with this. It's become a real business. And we're thankful to have the opportunity and, and, and glad that people are digging what we're doing and tuning in. Well, you said to the business side, can you talk about that part of it, getting it to be a business where it is a financial win for everybody? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the key is first, you've got to have the great content that people want to hear, because if you've got the best business model, but you don't have an audience, you know, what is there to do? So you've got to have an audience first. And once you've got that, you've got to have the right sort of what I would call back end. And Westwood one has been a fantastic partner for us. They have a great sales division. And we still sell ads direct over at advertisewithconrad.com. So, you know, you, you come up with all these different revenue streams. You got to have merch. You got to have live shows. You got to have a pay site. You got to have, you know, the, your general ad sales. You got to have direct ad sales. So when, when you look through all of this and then you sprinkle in YouTube monetization too, you can get paid five or six or maybe seven different ways through podcasting. And, you know, I, I do business for a living. I'm at my office right now. It's a different <laughs> setup than what everybody sees when I'm podcasting my shows. So my brain definitely works in the business world as far as, okay, this is a good idea and it's fun, but how do we make money with it? And by the way, you know, that's, that's created a lot of jobs. We don't talk about that enough, but we've got, you know, at least 12 full-time people working on this enterprise that we've built here. And those are people who have, you know, incomes now to support their families. So I can't tell you how many people, you know, um, have a better life because of this podcast financially or these podcasts rather. Yeah, because it's a full-time job, five yeah. five shows a week. It's Absolutely. amazing. So you said you have 12 people. Can you That's name right. a couple of, like, what did they do? 
Uh, yeah. So Stan helps us with research. So does Derek and Chris. We've got three folks who help us with research. We've got Steve who runs our YouTube, Ryan who works our merch, Evan who handles all things ad free shows. Of course, everybody knows Dave Silva who does all of our graphics. Matt Coon does um, all of our um, audio engineering stuff. Um, and then uh, Chris McDonald does all of our video. So on and on and on you know we've also created you know paying gigs for all the extra bonus content over at ad free shows so guys like gerald briscoe and mike kyota and we've had special guests like francine and of course medusa's on there and rebel and as we continue to expand the footprint you know there's a real payroll here now and uh you know i'm, I'm fine with that by the way i'm trying to give a, a unique approach <laughs> and a unique look and create a different experience and make it sort of all-encompassing and the latest acquisition is bruce mitchell who's been with the torch for decades and we're going to do like an old school hotline style uh, update every single day. So just like oh, we used to cool. call 1-900-909-9900. Well, now you're going to get the old school hotline feel. And everything we talk about on my shows is all nostalgia. So this will be the first time we're talking about some current stuff. But that could be challenging since I've got people working in every company. Politically, nobody wants to, you know, sort of spread trade secrets. However, there is a thirst for that. So. If you can't beat them, join them, I suppose. And, and Bruce Mitchell will be uh, answering that age-old Jim Barnett question. What's the dirt? <laughs> well, it's funny, too. You just mentioned you have people working in every company. And you hosted the first real press conference of the launch of AEW. Um, people were trying to put two and two together, the thing that you would be part of the company. What was it like, and how did you get involved with doing that launch uh, press conference with AEW? And obviously, you're not part of the company, so... Do you, what's your relationship with them? I'm just friends with Tony Khan. I was friends with Tony Khan years before AEW was a thing. And, you know, he knew what he was doing. He knew that he was going to land uh, Jim Ross eventually. And he did. So I was essentially the placeholder. Uh, but once Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross come along, uh, who the hell's Conrad Thompson? But when he needed <laughs> me, I was there. <laughs> right place, right time yet again. Yeah. yeah. The Forrest Gump of wrestling. I had no business <laughs> being there. Uh, I have to also ask, you know, with free, uh, adfreeshows.com, you seem to create all these different little ventures for yourself. And like, just like you, I, I'm pretty sure it was you who probably talked to Bruce and Eric about when the shirt sells from prowrestlingtees.com, they can probably give them a call to help, you know, keep the fan base. When you, when you come up with these different ideas, what are some of the reactions to your co-host with it? Like, is it a hard sell or is it, uh, no, it's not. And in time it's gotten easier. Um, they understand that usually if I have an idea, it's going to be fruitful for everyone involved. You know, I've always had this, uh, attitude in business. If you want me to do it, tie some money to it. So usually the guys know uh, if I'm calling and saying, Hey, would you mind, or would you consider whatever idea I'm going to pitch them will mean a little, as JR likes to say, extra cheese on their Whopper. Uh, so they're usually pretty agreeable. <laughs> If you had to, uh, what has been the most enjoyable uh, episodes that you've done of any of the shows? If you had to pick a couple shows, which were, which have been the best ones for you? Well, enjoyable for me and, and, and best for the audience are different things. <laughs> okay. I enjoy I enjoy busting balls and arguing with the guys. That's fun. Uh, that's just my personality. But I think this past <laughs> week, the episode we dropped with Bruce on Pat Patterson's probably top five best things we've ever done. Uh, it, you could just tell how engaged and how emotional and how real it was to Bruce. And, you know, that's not something we can script or write down or put on a sheet of paper. It's either there or it's not. And the love for, for Pat Patterson just came through the speakers, man. And those last 15 minutes I would put up against, well, the whole show it's, it's a roller coaster. 
you know, you're going to laugh and you're going to cry. And when a wrestling podcast can make you do that, you've done something right. So Pat Patterson is going to be near the top of the list right now. Yeah, I, I know that a lot of people enjoy because I've seen a lot of the clips uh, floating around when you when you get on uh, these guys uh, think uh, on their ideas of how how this should have gone. I think the Hulk Hogan one when he won uh, Yokozuna and he was supposed to go to Europe, but he didn't mm -hmm. go to Europe and you just go off on them. I think that's one of the most entertaining things. Uh, and, and people wonder, it's like, how do you how how can you get away with that? Can, can you tell us the mutual respect that you, you guys have, that you can go that extra mile that maybe a lot of other people can't? Well, you know, here's the thing too, you know, you're talking about a Bruce Pritchard episode and, and Bruce and I had spent at that point years together. Uh -huh. Uh, and I don't just mean like we would every now and again, get together. I mean, at least, at least 10 days a month, we were with each other morning, noon and night. Like he stayed at my house because he would come oh, wow. in town and we would work on marketing ideas. So we got to be very, very familiar with each other and became really, really great friends. And he also understood that at the end of the day, we're trying to do a show. It's supposed to be entertaining. And if every time, you know, look, I always make the analogy here in Alabama, of course, all anybody talks about on sports talk radio is Alabama football. Well, if the, if the caller says, or, or one of the hosts were to say, well, nobody's going to beat Alabama. Look how they just, you know, thumped LSU. No one can compete with them. They're the best team that we've ever seen. I mean, no one can slow them down. If the co-host just said, I agree, we'll be back after these words. Like that's terrible. <laughs> that's not entertaining. You've got to have, well, I don't know. Florida's got something that nobody else has had. Saban's always struggled in his secondary and what will they do against a spread offense? And nobody's ready for, he hasn't seen an offense like Florida has this year in the sec championship. Okay. Now we've got a debate. We've got some point and counterpoint. And that's the whole concept behind these shows is, you know, what's sort of the company line and what did Meltzer say? This is what we've always believed is quote unquote, smart marks. Here's the company side. Let's tell both and let our listeners decide for themselves. So I know he's going to dig his heels in and argue. So I am too. And it makes it entertaining. And in the end, when people are talking about it and tweeting about it, guess what? That builds the show. That's better for everybody. But if we just, yes, sir, I agree. Yes, sir. I agree. Eventually, people are like, "Okay, this isn't entertaining. This this is not fun." Exactly. That, that's that that makes total sense. How close was eighty three weeks to ending after the Star Kid ninety seven episode? I have to ask that question because that was, I think, the, the most intense I've ever heard both you and Eric. Not at all. Uh, but if you think <laughs> that's good, you wait. I got another one coming that's already in the can. I forget <laughs> if it's Star Kid ninety nine or Star Kid two thousand. But Eric's going to be on the road for December, so we're trying to get ahead. And boy, we are, we are after each other. It's kind of fun. So, uh, I love Starcade 97. I love the Slamboree 98, which was the, uh, I think we touched on the DX invasion episode there. We've had some really big knockdown drag outs with Eric, but you know, Eric and I both know, love and trust each other. And we know that, you know, we're trying to, a, we're trying to be entertaining, but we can also agree to disagree. We can have different opinions. Just to have someone in your life or be your friend doesn't mean that you have to vote for the same guy or watch the same shows or listen to the same music. Uh, so yeah, we were in full blown FUFU mode and that's entertaining radio. And it's funny too, you say that, uh, I've, I've talked with Eric before he and I've texted back and forth. And one of the things that he and I both love talking about is TV production and the behind the scenes aspect of, of making television. Uh, that stuff always fascinates me. Um, how are you able to lock up some of these guys, guys like Bruce and Eric and Aaron? I'll go 
we barely talked about Aaron, but Aaron, the stuff that you do with Aaron is, is gold too, because he's so old school being able to go back into the eighties. And like you, you talk about nostalgia, how are you able to get lock in these guys? How did I get them to agree to do the show? Yeah. I had a business plan, you know, I mean, once everyone saw the success of something to wrestle, it was kind of easy. You know, we like to joke, everything's college football down here. So in Alabama, uh, the, you know, Auburn has to recruit, uh, but Alabama gets to screen. So like if Auburn wants a guy, they got to go work on him at Alabama. We just wait and they show up and say, I'd like to play here. Cause they understand if you come play here, you're going to be a millionaire. Well, I'm not saying that I'm going to make a millionaire from podcasting, but I am saying you'll make more money doing a podcast with me than you will anyone else. And that's not me saying that that's just the reality and I've proven it over and over and over. So eventually it gets to a point to where, and I'm about, here's a little scoop for you. I'm about to announce another podcast and I didn't pitch him and I didn't pitch Eric. And I mean, there's so many of these shows that I'm doing that I didn't have to go sell it. They came to me because they understood, Hey, I enjoy the podcast medium. I'd like to, you know, do my thing there and experiment in the space. Who do I want to do it with? And thankfully, knock on wood, uh, I've got a proven track record of, of creating revenue. And, you know, that's an easy sell. So it's really easier than you think, but it starts with A, a good idea, B, proof of concept, and most importantly, C, you got to have a real good business plan. So basically just business in general. Yeah, I mean, listen, you got to appreciate the, the idea of, of the wrestling podcast platform. Look how many wrestlers mm -hmm. have had a podcast and then quit. Why did they quit? Because they didn't have an extra hour a week or because it wasn't making any money. Now that's not what anybody's going to talk about, but I'm just saying eventually, and people are willing to give something a try and try new things and, and put themselves out there. But eventually if you keep working at this thing and you're putting a bunch of time, effort and energy in it, and you're seeing very little to no reward, you're going to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, so it's back to my other thing. You know, if you want me to do it, toss some money to it. What keeps these guys doing podcasts with me is around the 27th, they get a, a big check with a comma in it and, and they'll be back next. <laughs> and one thing, since we're talking about business, you're still, you're a mortgage broker, right? Mortgage banker, but everyone says banker. broker, but I'm fine with whatever. I do mortgages. <laughs> yes, sir. How, how difficult is it, is it to balance what you do in your daytime job with all the podcasts? Because we, we have already discussed how you have five shows. Now you're going to have six with this new one and, and your day job. Like, is it, is it, I know it's demanding, but how do you cope with it all? Well, I have a, I have a support staff, you know, so as far as social media, I've got somebody helping with that named Dave Hancock for graphics. I got Dave Silva for audio editing. I got Matt Coon. Uh, you've heard about the research. So yeah. all it requires of me is really just be prepared, meaning be familiar with the material and, um, you know, click record and go. So as we're talking now, it's the seventh of the month. I've, I'm done until next month for three of those oh, wow. shows. Really? So wow. it's, it's easy for me to just, you know, schedule my time and work and get ahead. Uh, and usually what I'll do is try to do something first thing in the morning or as soon as I get off work. And then I'll load up Saturday and Sunday. So it does require you're working seven days a week, but here's the thing. I love what I do. So I'm not working a day in my life. I enjoy coming to this office and doing mortgages. I enjoy, you know, talking about old wrestling and I found a way to dovetail both of those. You would think in theory, what in the hell do those things have in common? Well, I've been advertising my mortgage company for more than 10 years, anywhere I could get an audience, radio, TV, internet, whatever. Uh, but now instead of asking someone to sort of lend me their credibility and me appear on their radio show, 
I just promote it on my own show and it's worked out a lot better. The sales cycle for any buying process is they're going to do business with someone they know, like, and trust. Well, I've been really fortunate that a lot of people who listen to me know, like, and trust me. So they'll give me their mortgage business. So it's really been a lot easier than you may imagine uh, when you have a great support staff with you and you're not trying to do it all yourself. The key is delegation. And with, with that being said too, how much with your mortgage business have you seen an increase from the, from the show? Oh, phenomenal. You know, like, uh, you know, we've got over a hundred branches, but not all the branches are dealing with, you know, mortgage customers, uh, from the mm -hmm. podcast, these, um, the branch I'm sitting in right now that you say in the background, it, it's almost exclusively from ads from the mortgage. I mean, from the, uh, the, the wrestling <laughs> podcast. So oh. I don't know, uh, 30, 40, 50 million and loans a month, every month from the wrestling podcast, that's loan volume, not revenue, not dollars through the gate, but, uh, yeah, it's substantial. I mean, a ton of folks listen and a ton of folks are looking to buy or take advantage of these rates and refinance and, you know, consolidate some debt or whatever. And we've been fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. Again, <laughs> that's the, uh, today's theme, by the way, it is timing is everything. <laughs> timing is everything. Uh, Earlier in your run with Bruce, you had more shows that were like that two hour, like the Bret Hart one that for 96 and 97. You had longer shows. Uh, obviously, you've been able to, because Bruce's time, uh, time restraints, been able to cut down on those. Did you find those to be a little bit more complicated to do because of the amount of, amount of work you tried to carry? I know the most recently was the Kevin Nash episode. You guys said you ended up having to split that into two because there was so much. How do you make that judgment of how long is too much for a show? I don't. I, I just want to talk about it until the topic is done. You know, so I never go into a show saying, hey, this needs to be, you know, two hours or three hours or four hours. I want to cover the topic as thoroughly as we can. Now, that said, we did have a bit of a situation with, with Bruce where his change of circumstance is real. You know, he doesn't have five hours to just sit down and talk about old wrestling anymore. His every minute of his day is scheduled right now with WWE. So that one was chopped up because there was no way I, I mean, I could have kept talking, but he's gone. So uh, it would just been me asking questions and no answer for an entire year. So I didn't want to do that. <laughs> uh, so instead we trimmed it and, and I know going in on, on his shows, how much time do we have? And there's been a lot of times where you know, we, we're getting going and the, the conversation is good, but I realize, Hey, I'm up against it time-wise or his schedule will change and he'll text me in real time. And now I've got to take that two and a half hour window and get it done in an hour 45. So 45 minutes of my show will just disappear right in the middle, just like in real wrestling, where right before you go through the curtain, they say, Hey, we got to cut nine minutes out. What? Uh, and we got to try to figure it out. So that's the unfortunate reality of Bruce being back, but uh, the best part of him being back is he's making more money than ever and having more fun than ever. And I'm not going to fault my friend for doing well by him and his family. And we'll be here when he gets fired the next time. <laughs> uh, I have to ask too, since you are a wrestling fan, that's why you do this. What do you think, not only the WWE, but what do you think about the current product and the current landscape of the wrestling business right now? I think it's fun. I think it's a great time to be a fan. We've got so much access, you know, to the, not just, the wrestlers themselves through social media, but once upon a time, dude, it was a big deal to get a, an old VHS compilation in the mail. Uh, and you would hope it wouldn't be busted and you would hope it would be a good quality and it would be first gen or whatever. And now dude, you've got every wrestling match ever in your pocket. That's the coolest thing ever. So I'm really thankful for the network and for the internet and for our access to great matches and great old content and new stuff. 
And yeah, I still watch every week. Uh, I don't watch every minute of raw. I don't watch every minute of SmackDown, but there's something in every show that still appeals to me. So I DVR them all fast forward and find the stuff I like and watch it. The stuff that's not for me, I just skip it, but I do that in my real life too. You know, life's too short to try to suffer through something you don't enjoy. The only show I, I know I'm watching live every week. Uh, is when uh, AEW is on live and people are going to say that's because I'm a homer. No, it's because two of my best friends are on commentary and uh, it's fun sometimes to text them and bust their balls. And sometimes most of the time I get a response and that tickles me because I'm a sophomore at heart. I, 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 I got to say it because I, I saw you tweet it and I tweeted it right after you saying a uh, typical Tony bomb or something like that. I think Tony or Tony pipe bomb. As soon as he said bullshit at the end of, because uh, <laughs> the famous, the famous line after Bastion Beach, Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. <laughs> That's it's, it's, it's the new thing. And, and to be able to text him in real time and bust his balls about it was great. So I watch it live when they're live, but when the shows are taped, you know, I'll DVR AEW too, and I'll watch it when I get a chance. And I watch all that stuff, and uh, I don't get Ring of Honor anymore, but I, I used to, and I DVR that all the time. And I still, I still keep up with Impact. That's DVR'd every week, so I try to watch everything I can. But I might be a week or two behind, and then catch up. Yeah, because there's just so much content. I, I try yeah. to catch up. I watch New Japan. I watch AEW. I watch a little bit of WWE. I, I watch. I'm trying to get back into Impact. Uh, there's MLW. There's NWA. Well, NWA not right now, but there's just so much. And thankfully, we have the technology to really go back and watch it. Not like it used to be, man. Definitely not. So I wanted to sit here and and, and get your opinion on on something. But I think I'm running out of time here. <laughs> no, go ahead. Shoot. Oh man, uh, your show, the new one. Uh, can you tell us anything about it? Uh, the name of nope, it? Nope, no, uh, no. It's still secret. No hints. <laughs> he tried. No hints. He really did try. I tried. I tried. Connor, <laughs> uh, I definitely have to. I have to throw this out to you because of. Um, I do. I am. A, I am. A, I'm not gonna lie. There's a little piece of me that is just amazed on how you do this with your shows, uh, especially with Eric, uh, because Eric has especially with my conversations with him, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have any hostility about the way things ended with WWE as far as his, his run as GM and how, you know, he's very good with being an on-air personality, but for you to go back and talk with him about some of the things that really went wrong with WCW, and I, I'm going to go back to that bash of the beach episode, uh, 2000, where the Hogan's thing with, with, with Vince Russo and everything, and there was one comment, and it sticks with me, and I always joke with M about this. There was a comment where you said, uh, he, he made a comment about Dave Meltzer, and you can tell that everybody you have on your shows hates, hates Dave Meltzer. But <laughs> it's, I can see you shaking your head already. I think you know where I'm going with this. But he's, uh, Eric says he's never run a wrestling show, and apparently he never did this. And he said he, they lost something like $80 million for the year. And you know he's, you, you criticized Eric for not being able to run the wrestling company. Do you ever get any blast? back from eric with that i know it's the most long-winded question ever and i apologize for that but but stuff like that no yeah we definitely talk about it but, but here's the thing about accounting and, and turner at the time nobody knew what the hell was what you know you got to appreciate from a wrestling company standpoint it wasn't ran the same way every other wrestling company was so if they had a pay-per-view wcw didn't get credit and what's turner home entertainment and wcw wasn't paid any sort of television rights fee like wwe was 
So if you take out all of their pay-per-view revenue and you put it in another column and you take out all of their home release, home video release stuff, and you put it in another column and you also don't give them anything for their TV show. What are we talking about? Like we get all of the debt to go create the show. So we're paying for satellite time and trucks and production and all that, but we're not actually being paid the revenue for it. Uh, we're going to do an, an, an ad participation deal. That's just, you know, it's not the same thing. So, uh, whenever people say, oh, they lost this amount of money. Did they really, that's the thing. Nobody really knows. And I'm sure a lot of people say, well, the audited financial, but I'm just telling you, buddy, I deal with that stuff every day. And it's easy for me to move something to here or there. Ask Enron. Lots of folks did this. Uh, and, and that's just the way a big corporation like that will do. Like, you know, they'll make a major purchase and then they'll amortize it and they'll write down some of it and blah, blah, blah. So there's lots of creative accounting. Here's the thing I know. I never watched the Sopranos and wondered, boy, are they operating this show at a loss? I wonder what James Gandolfini is making per episode. That never bothered me. I never wondered what the rating was. I never wondered what the ad buy was. I never wondered what the budget was. Uh, all I knew was I love the Sopranos and I can't wait for Sunday night. And at heart, I love nitro and I couldn't wait till Monday night. It didn't matter to me, all the business stuff. That's not for me either. It's entertaining or it's not, but because we have all this access as fans to behind the scenes, we all become like these pseudo experts on ratings and business and finance. Can we not just be a freaking fan and like it? So I understand why guys get annoyed with all that, especially when there's a lot of misinformation. And as we say all the time, he said, she said. Well, Conrad, I really want to thank you for uh, coming on with us today. Really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. And, uh, you know, what, something to wrestle 83 weeks, the RN show, uh, what happened when with Tani Schiavone, um, Grillin JR, they're all out there. And uh, I got to tell you, we're definitely worth the listen. Uh, we don't know how you do it with managing the time, man. I really appreciate Insane. it. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank no, you so thank much. you guys. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk wrestling. Sorry, it was a little hard to pin me down, but. Um, I'm, I'm busy. My apologies. Yeah, no, I, listen, as no you listed those shows, I maybe I need a nap just listening to it. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of forget that I'm doing all of this because I'm having fun doing it, but I had fun catching up with you guys today. Let's do this again sometime soon. Definitely. Thanks. Again. All right. So that was Conrad Thompson here with Emerito Rivera and myself, Randy Zelia and Emma, a lot to digest in that interview. One of the things I found very interesting about our conversation with him was the fact that he has a staff of 12 people working on all of his shows. So he's not doing as much research as we originally thought he was. I thought it was like a, like three, three people operation and finding out what it was, was pretty amazing to me. Yeah. I, I sat there and I thought, man, he, he's got a full-time gig, you know, more mortgage broker. And then he's sitting there looking at all this stuff uh, from the eighties and nineties. I'm like, God damn, how, how does he find the time? But comes, uh, we, we come to realize that he has a staff. So maybe that's something we need to look at. Like, <laughs> Cause I can't find all that time to, to, to research. <laughs> I'm like sitting there. He's like, he's got a whole crack stuff. I'm like sitting there. I'm, you know me well enough. They're like, I, I think it's a, it's a funny joke to tell. Uh, about just how busy our schedules are. We'll save that for another episode. But, <laughs> but uh, overall, I thought it was a great experience to talk with Conrad. Uh, I, I love the shows. And one of the other things I also felt very interested in was once Bruce went back to WWE on how the scheduling changed for, his, for that particular show. Uh, I'm sure when Eric was back at WWE, the scheduling probably was something similar. But yeah, uh, Eric, Eric was not back for that long. Um, 
it's amazing though because of his little family of podcasts. You have Tony Schiavone, which you know Tony Schiavone is like Bob Saget in my uh, in my eyes. You think he's this nice, clean cut guy, and he's got the potty mouth of, uh, of the uh, of the century. That's great. <laughs> All right, so real quick, let's do uh, let's pay some bills and then get out of here. A quick thanks to our producer Andrew Fume. Uh, you can check him out at am two four eight zero eight on Instagram or email him at andrewfume ninety four at gmail.com. He's the one who makes us sound and look as good as we are because like, we like, suck, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I. <laughs> Like, I know seven, I suck, so okay. he does an amazing job with me. Yeah, he does. He makes me look great. I'm, I'm 750 pounds. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> uh, no, so I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But uh, a special thank you for Andrew for putting the show together the way he does. And a uh, you know, special thanks for that. Special uh, thanks for our sponsor, Level 1 Games in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Take your game to the next level and relive your past. Go to level1games.com. And, of course, you can find all of our episodes at backsportspage.com, or you can go to, to your normal podcast host stations, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, just to name a few. We are everywhere. Check it out. And by the way, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Send us a like. Like our YouTube channel. Like I said, we are everywhere. Make sure you share any of your wrestling friends. They might enjoy this, so share along. Share along. For Emerito Rivera, I'm Randy Zellia. We'll see you next week on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. (laughs) 